Welcome to Saving the Game. This is episode 33, Gaming Origin Stories, recorded Thursday, January 9th of 2014, with your hosts, Grant, Peter, Brandon, and Mike. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. I'm Brandon, your favorite host. <laughs> and I'm just visiting. <laughs> Hooray! We've got Mike <laughs> from uh, Inroads Ministries and Game Store Profits on with us. And Mike, want to introduce yourself? Tell us why uh, you're famous on the internet. Oh, I am hardly famous. Well, I, you're at on least- our podcast, so now you so are now, famous. I can cite now that <laughs> you're, I'm you're famous. on our podcast, which is smaller than yours, so now you are famous. So now I'm famous. I, I'll totally take that. Hey, it's not the size of the audience, it's the it's importance. It's the power of the fandom. Yes, and our fandom is powerful. I'll, yeah, yeah, Brandon's absolutely. on a power trip because somebody told him today that Brandon was their favorite host, so... <laughs> He's that rocking explains that. the Sith Lord thing because it does. I, in fairness, I <laughs> told him to like disturbing. get a screenshot of the conversation and just put it at the top of his resume. <laughs> That's the law. Screenshot or it didn't happen. So why I'm here? Well, uh, a couple of years ago, my buddy and I decided that we wanted to share with the world our our geekiness and our love of, of Jesus Christ, and we started a podcast called Game Store Profits. And after doing that for two years, we both kind of said, you know, I think God wants to do something more with this than just have us sit on the internet. And so we, we, well, we're still sitting on the internet, but we're doing it from a much, much larger seat. Uh, there you go. So you now we, have a throne to sit on the internet and it's a bit more comfortable. <laughs> So, so yeah, so we, we started Inroads Ministries. We literally just went live in November. And it's kind of weird. We just hit uh, like a, a thousand unique hits on the website after um, what a month and a half now. That's so, not bad. so I'm I'm particularly happy with it. We've got a bunch of people stopping by, and I'm still kind of dumbstruck by the the number of things that that are popping up. Just kind of reminders that God must be behind it because we're too stupid and and untalented to make any of this happen. So yeah, and we. You know, we were really happy. Uh, somebody had mentioned you guys and, and your podcast to us. So we kind of reached out to you guys and said, hey, you know, we're doing something like this. We should have each other on each other's shows. And before I knew it, you guys were coming at me with an email of, we will totally put our RSS feed on your site. And yeah. Luke and I just kind of stepped back and said, huh, this is kind of awesome. Well, there's a lot of geeky faith initiatives out there, and it'd be kind of nice to get them all cross-pollinating and stuff. Yeah. Well, that that's kind of part of what we're doing. We decided that there's a lot of us out there, but nobody knows that we're all doing it. Like, we're all doing it in our own little vacuum. Everybody thinks, at least when we started, we all thought we were doing it by ourselves, and before we knew it, there were all these other podcasts who also thought they were doing it by themselves. And we wanted to provide a place where we can kind of bring our forces to bear as it were. And so we're always putting out word like, Hey, if you have a podcast that you want to bring to the, the network, you can definitely do that. Uh, we're recruiting new writers. We're, we're doing all this stuff just to, to try and get people together on this because sure. yeah, we can all kind of shout in the, in the wilderness out there. But if all of us only do it with one voice, it's going to be kind of quiet and no one knows we're there. Yep. That's, that's one of the interesting difficulties I've had trying to get word out about saving the game is that people are like, wait, really? I've been looking for something like you and there's no mm-hmm. forum really to get that word out other than things about podcasts or, you know, things about Christianity, like our Christianity on Reddit, things like that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we, we kind of absorbed, I don't know, probably about two thirds of the Christians in the fear of the boot forums. And we stopped there for a while. I yeah, think we did. Now, Mike, since you're here, give me the elevator pitch for Inroads Ministries, because you've kind of talked about it as a community, but there's really more to it than that. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to give everything because a lot of it is still in progress, partly due to partly due to the fact that we're still figuring things out ourselves. Like, this okay. is the first time either one of us 
has been running something on this scale before. Mm-hmm. So we're still kind of figuring things out. But there's also a lot of stuff that we have planned as the team grows, as we get more contributors. Like right now, we have a YouTube channel, but it's pretty much in name only. Videos, to do them well, takes a lot of time. Yes. Oh, yes. So... <laughs> So that that's something that, that we're working on and something that we're going to develop in the future. But because I spent a lot of time working on this statement, I'm going to share it because more often than not, mission statements don't get shared. And mm-hmm. I put a lot of time into this. <laughs> that's fine. Go for it. Well, don't let us stand in your way. I oh. spent a lot of time on this one statement. Uh, so basically, our mission statement is Inroads Ministries exists to provide content and services that promote fellowship through creative play in order to empower individuals and churches to share the gospel with the greater geek community. So the short version of that is that it's kind of a two-pronged deal. We want to go out into the geek community, into the gamer community especially, and for us, that includes both board games and card games and tabletop role-playing games and miniatures games mm-hmm. and pretty much anything you're playing on a table. Right. And we just wanted to encourage people to use that as a way to do ministry, to not see that as something that you do outside of ministry, but something that can be a place where God can, can meet people. Mm-hmm. We also want to gather up the kind of diaspora, if you will, of all these gamers who are out there doing this on their own. One of the stories about why we started Game Store Profits is because uh, when Luke originally proposed it to me, I said, I don't have the time to do this. At the time, I was a youth pastor, and I, I simply didn't have the time to do a podcast. But I went to a convention, and a friend of a friend came up to me in tears because that convention happened to hit on the same day that Harold Camping said the Lord was returning. And basically made Christianity and God a punchline for the whole weekend. And so she came up to me in tears. And in a moment that will probably stick with me forever, she said, when I, when I come to things like this, I feel like I'm alone because I'm a Christian and I, and I love God. But then I end up going to church and I feel very much alone because I like to dress up in costume and go to conventions like this and play games. And nobody's like that at my church. So both in and out of the church, she was feeling alone. And I said, you're not alone. And I want to do everything I can to make sure you never feel alone again. And so that night we started Game Store Profits. And that's at the core of what we want to do. And that's a much more dramatic but very similar story to kind of how we got started. The whole thing where she was saying that she was alone, that gaming and Christianity have kind of separated themselves and stopped including each other, and we wanted to to bridge that. Yeah. No, that was, I think, the original inspiration for it, although it's evolved somewhat since then, I think. It has, yeah. but that was that was the original impetus, anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, I, as I know I've said in my first episode, I grew up thinking that gaming was evil. And yeah, I get that a yeah, lot. So, uh, and that was purely because that's what I was taught. And it took someone to come to me and say, no, it's not evil. And through that, I, I actually found a whole bunch of friends and found something that I really, really enjoy. Yep. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it beforehand because the first game I played was, uh, what's called Star Wars D6 yeah, West the, End the games. Weg, nice. The West Star Wars, I, I recently yeah. played I recently played in the West End Star Wars game. And spent the whole entire game dead. So my initial love of like West End games is like. So really, you sat down to watch other people play West End games, D six Star Wars. <laughs> Basically. Only if I remember the rest of the story, he did it from the bottom of an elevator shaft. So he didn't exactly have a great oh, view. Oh, character. It's not like they threw yeah. Brandon down there and said, "We're going to play up here." <laughs> we talk about all this stuff about uh, games having a bad rep in the church, but. I was just at a retreat this weekend kind of talking about the ministry and and speaking to a bunch of young adults. And the main speaker for the weekend came up to me afterwards. He said, it's really interesting what you're doing. I had always been told that games were evil, and so I never really looked into them. And I never – this is a a grown man who can make his own decisions and everything like that was still under the auspices of the 1980s terror that said D&D leads to devil worship. Yeah. It's very common. I still see articles referencing some of that stuff. I mean, it's not right. You would think after 30 years after the the late 70s, early 80s, you know, Satanist panic in America, 
you yeah. would think that would have faded some, but it really yeah, there's hasn't. some serious mimetic weight there. Yeah, it, well, it's unfortunately true. It's particularly entertaining because Gary Gygax was a Christian. Yeah, he was a very devout oh, yeah. Epis- Episcopalian. So. And so it's really funny. It's really funny to me that so much hate has been put on this, and the guy who made it <laughs> loves oh, one Jesus. Of the, yeah, yeah, one of the two, anyway. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, and one of the things that I've heard, and I can't cite my sources for this, you know, citation needed, but I have heard that when D&D sort of started to become something that the evangelical community in America was worried about um, and started freaking out about, he decided that he didn't want to make a big deal of the fact that he was a Christian because he didn't want to taint his church with that or and get people upset at his church and that sort of thing. And he later kind of determined that that may have been a mistake. To which I say, gee, you think, Gary? Well, yeah, but I mean, I, I understand the impetus for it, certainly. You can't really no, say it's because it's talking, it's talking about, you know, it's it's like every other what-if scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, oh, I should have done this. <laughs> because it could very well have been if he just said, look, I'm one of you, then somebody else would have stood up and say, no, you're just saying that so we get off your back. I see what it is, you Satan worshiper. Like, or, yeah, or it could have actually... Deceiver. Yeah, he could have actually brought actual people down on his church, which I'm sure... They, which would have happened. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, how many of us have gone... I don't know how, how often you guys hit conventions but i mean how many times have you gone and seen some uh, a group of people outside of a convention hall you know with picket signs saying you know everyone in this hall is going to hell uh, i have not been to a convention where that has happened unless it happened when i went to dragon con and i just missed it it probably did dragon con's huge it's definitely happened at dragon con dragon con is just so huge you didn't see them yeah uh <laughs> it's hard to see Anything except costumes at Dragon Con. Uh, right. It's the and way it is. The last awesome. one I went to was Fear the Con, and I don't think that got picketed at all. Small cons generally don't. It's the big, you know, well-named ones. ones. Like Comic-Con often does, the the big one out in California. In fact, I, I saw one of the, the guests had gotten a hold of one of the little pamphlet slash flyer things that they were handing out and posted it really just to mock it because – Right. It was completely uninformed and, you know, it was like, look at this. This is nonsense. And that's part of – that's part of the – it's part of what we – Yeah, that's part of what we as geeky Christians have to sort of push back against in some ways. When we went to Gen Con, that was, that was it. There were so many people who stopped by the booth because I w- – we didn't have our own booth. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting at the booth for the combination of the Christian Gamers Guild – and fans for Christ, and it was the the booth was actually paid for by Game Church. Cool. And so every once in a while, people would come by the booth and they'd look at us, and they'd look at at the two of us that were sitting there. They'd look at the sign. They'd look at us again and go, "Is this legit, or are you guys like parody?" Yeah. And I said, "No, no, we're legit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, wow, that's to- heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But that's that also is a testimony to why we decided that we needed to make this happen because so much of the gaming community only thinks of church people as there to hate on them right. or a joke, and we decided we're not either. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I always struggle with because I'm a very withdrawn, introverted person, and I don't like conflict at all. So I'm saying this knowing full well that I don't practice it very well, right? But I think it is important to be visibly Christian in situations like that and maintain your faith when that happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying this well because this is – it's a really hard thing for me and I don't do it well at all. Um, I'm much more comfortable talking into a mic than talking to a person. But I think it's important that there is a booth out there, that there are people wearing T-shirts, that there are people like you and you know Derek White and uh, Dave Mattingly and a lot of the other people involved in these small organizations making themselves known and visible. It was really funny because uh, Derek had told me that on several occasions he gets asked if when because he's a Methodist preacher and so he wears a collar and so he, he's told me that on several occasions at cons he he gets asked if he's doing cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, no, I, I, I wear this collar. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I can kind of see that at cons because there's a lot of anime, for example, that right. has preacher-like characters. 
uh, religious iconography is all over certain anime. Yeah. Well, and to further muddy the waters, not every United Methodist pastor wears a collar. Mine doesn't. Right. You right, know, right. Adam Hamilton, the, one of the more famous ones that I like and reference a lot on this podcast, doesn't. So it's it's optional equipment for that particular denomination, and yeah, and that only makes it more confusing. Yeah, and down here, for example, in Greenville, South Carolina, I don't know that I've really ever seen any pastor wearing a clerical collar outside of the church. It's one of those things where it's kind of not done, no matter the denomination. There must have been one or two that I have seen every once in a while and forgotten about, but it's really very uncommon, despite the fact that there's a church practically on every block. I've seen uh, monks in like the full black getup with a huge metal cross and everything mm-hmm. a couple of times in the bookstore. Yeah, see, that's interesting because we have a nunnery here in Greenville that you really you don't see anybody who looks like a nun. Anyway, speaking of uh, the more religious side of things, we haven't done our scripture yet. We have not. Peter, you want to start us off with scripture? Sure. I'll take John 1, 1 through 5. All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things come into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. All right. Uh, Mike, do you want to take one of these? Oh, sure. I mean, how could I not start from the beginning? All right. We're going to go with Genesis 1, 1, and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And I'll take uh, Matthew 13. 3 through 9. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. So the topic we wanted to talk about tonight is kind of a loose topic, but we wanted to talk about our gaming origins and kind of how we got started, both as gamers and in some ways as a Christian, and how those two came to connect. Basically, our gaming origins and how that relates to our faith. And Mike, you got us interested in this immediately when you said that gaming had saved your life (laughs) gaming saved my life yeah it's one of those things like i can't i can't say that you know i was i was playing a game and suddenly uh, i I had a i was choking and somebody saved and no it's not nothing like that walking down the street and you ran into a basilisk and i knew exactly what i knew exactly what to do (laughs) (laughs) that would make the story much much cooler than it's actually going to be I've said it on our podcast, uh, I was a geek before I was a Christian. What I don't really go into a lot, I kind of hint at sometimes, but I don't really go into it a lot on our show, is that when I was a kid, I was incredibly shy, incredibly awkward, and uh, really hated getting to know new people. And if, if you meet me nowadays, you'd you'd probably get a weird look on your face because now all I do is hunt down new people and say hi. But when I was a kid, all I had was my family. And a lot of that was around gaming. Like I remember my dad uh, used to run games of Hero Quest for us. And I could probably say that my role-playing game experience probably started with those games of Hero Quest. And it's to the point where I wish I could get that game if it weren't for the fact that it was out of print decades ago and now would cost me like $300 on eBay. but Wow, it's that expensive now? Oh, it, it really is. Is HeroQuest the... It's basically a board game where it, it almost reads like old D&D characters. The fighter, the dwarf, the elf. Because yes, those are classes. <laughs> um, and, and you're, Of course they it, are. It's all pre-done characters, and you go through – one person plays as the dungeon master, but he doesn't get called that. He's something else. And uh, I, I, I'm blanking on it. I think it's like Zardoz or something like that. And he, <laughs> it, it, I read it – I read the book again recently, and it basically it reads like horrible, horrible fiction. 
And this is basically like, like, Sardon fights against the champions of goodness. And it, it's awful. Purple prose, melodrama. When you said Hero Quest, all, all I was thinking about is, is this game I've played where you control monsters and you build the map with out of tiles. And yes, that's a wonderful game as well. But this was way its predecessor. Okay, all right. Just wanted to make sure because I'm like, huh. Anyway, sorry for interrupting. No worries. But games like that were ha- have always been part of my existence. That I played another game called Battle Masters, which was basically a mat the size of a ping pong table where you, you know, one guy led an army of orcs versus an army of heroes. Hmm. And like all this, this great stuff was all over my childhood. But as most people do, when I started to hit middle school, my emotional state kind of took a nosedive and I was picked on a lot. I was again, being really shy and awkward. I, I got, kind of taken advantage of by a lot of the other people in my class. And by the time I had gotten out of middle school, I pretty much didn't have a lot of value in my existence. It really was when this kid showed up in our classroom, he he had moved into town and uh, I knew this kid was something completely other than the rest of the students. When he walked into, I want to say it was our eighth grade class. And he walked into class and said, hi, my name's George, but I'd prefer it if you called me Butch. Okay. It, it takes a lot of guts to go by a nickname like that in eighth grade. Yeah. So he and I became friends almost instantly. And he he showed me what D&D was all about. I had heard of Dungeons & Dragons, but I'd never played it up until that point. And at about 16, uh, we were playing games. We were, were kind of... It was kind of an amalgamation of things because we were teenagers, and I'm sure you can all relate to the fact that you never play a good game when you're a teenager. <laughs> That's what I hear. No. You, you, you have to you have to grow into gaming uh, on a role playing. Yeah, I will say that it's not related to age entirely. A lot of his experience, which I'll talk about later, but yeah, right. And so, so we weren't playing good games, but we were playing, and that kind of. It helped me break out of my shell a little bit, and it kind of helped me uh, realize that there was more to me than what everyone was telling me there was. There was more to my existence than simply being the punching bag for everyone else. I don't think it ever went to a point where it's like, like oh, my, my life was awful, but when I was playing, it was, it was a completely different story. But it just kind of gave me that underpinning of there's more to you than this. You tell stories, you create things, there's beauty and wonder there, and you need to, you know, listen to that. Yeah, it gave you a little glimmer of hope. Right. And then at, at 17, uh, when I actually became a Christian, you know, at first, you know, like, like most things, I, I, I went through what I often refer to as, and feel free to bleep me if you need to. I went through my jackass phase of Christianity. Yeah. Where I immediately said that everything I, I do, I shouldn't do that anymore just because I used to do that. And so, so clearly it can't be good anymore. And so I ended up getting rid of a lot of stuff only to, to come back later and realize this was a huge part of my existence. I've been gaming longer than I've been a Christian. And while there was stuff that I was before I met Christ that I needed to get rid of, gaming wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to it and realized that, yeah, that, that that God pretty much grabbed a hold of me before I even knew what he was what he was doing in my life. Before I met anybody who really told me about him, he kind of grabbed a hold of me and said, I have made you in the image of me. I'm a creator God and I have made you to be creative. That and the, the obvious, uh, the value of person that comes when you said that, you know, when you say that, that God himself came down, that he might die on a cross to save me. I mean, that it's, it literally saved my life. I, it, I was moments away from taking my own life when God said, no, I've got something better for you. And, ga- and gaming was a part of that. Wow. That's going to be a tough act to follow. Hey, y'all put me up first. Yeah. We yeah. did. We On did purpose. it to ourselves, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I guess I can follow that. Go for it. Right, especially since there there are some things that I, 
I kind of really felt about uh, you. These are I've shared my uh, sort of history with gaming a little bit before on the podcast in my first episode. Uh, what I haven't told anyone on this podcast was how much I was actually like you, Mike. I was the outcast. I was the nerd. The worst thing that ever happened to me was that a bunch of kids from my uh, street that I used to live on dumped a bucket of human urine on my head. So I did not have yeah the best, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, childhood? Yeah. I didn't have the, I had a pretty good childhood because my family was, is good. Like, I love my parents. They've been really supportive of me. Right. As much as I- the best, like, peer group then. Yeah. Uh, or adolescence, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Well, no one has a great adolescence, but yeah. 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 I think that's an oxymoron, actually, but continue, Brandon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but yes, so as I'm doing that, I, I became very insular and very much in my own self, which, is, which has led me to be somewhat- uh, introverted, yet there is a part of me that likes going out and likes telling stories and likes talking to people so long as I know them and I have something to say. And so I don't know where I fall on the introvert-extrovert thing because it sort of changes for me. Right. What I used to do is I would go out in the backyard and I would play with the action figures I had. And I always had a story for them. I didn't like cars or didn't anything like that. I, I always had stories. And I remember the first role-play that I think I ever really did, and it wasn't really a role play. It was me and my friend were out in a park, and we were basically telling a story back and forth. And this is the same friend who actually showed me my first role playing game, which was West uh, and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. He actually got me into a play by post thing that he was hosting, where I was horrible, and I I think I angered everyone, and <laughs> I just was not a very mature person back then, and. That was the first role play I was ever actually in, and it was an online play by post thing, but I was hooked, and I was kept going out and trying to tell stories. But of course, I was taught that Dungeons and Dragons was evil. And so whenever I thought about that, I'm like, oh no, that's that's where you have to like worship demons and practice magic. And now it's everything that I, I thought back then, I think now I go, how did I think that? Oh, well, and I, I know how I thought of that it was because I thought, well, it's it's a foothold and it's going to drag me into more and more dark things. And it hasn't. It's it's opened me up to a whole set of really, really interesting people. Uh, so I, I had the exact same thing with you when a guy who I know who was a Mormon who was working at the uh, place I was working started talking to me about role playing. And at that time, I had been in role play for a couple of years now. Like, I'd been role-playing online, finding people, talking to them, typing back and forth things, because I love telling stories. And he was like, well, have you tried Dungeons & Dragons? And my instant thing was like, oh, no, that's, that's bad, evil. And he's like, oh, no, you should come over and you should play Dungeons & Dragons. And I played Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, I think what solidifies the fact that I always know that I am destined to be a GM, after playing in my second game, I tried to run a game. Oh, how well done, sir. Go? Uh, not very good. I didn't understand <laughs> what I was doing. Looking back, I'm like, I knew it at the time. I was, I was doing a horrible, horrible session. But I was hooked, and the thing fell away, and I, I didn't really end up going back there that much. Uh, but all it was was it was something that I had to hide from my parents. Because uh, I, I remember, uh, this is a story that I told in like my first episode that. Uh, like I, I would, I would uh, go out and play D and D, and I would joke with my mom. Okay, mom, I'm going out to be my dungeon master now. Ha 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 ha! And that's actually where I was going. Like, <laughs> so it was uh, a double bluff. Oh yeah, definitely. And I said it because she found a dice pouch that didn't have any dice in it. It just had the word Dungeons and Dragons on it, and that flipped her out a lot. And all I was thinking was that she found the books I was collecting. And I was buying with the money I was getting because this was something that I really liked. And I loved buying the books and getting all into it and seeing what classes I can play and making up really interesting character types and things. And it was just really creative and really interesting. And that's my origin story of being a gamer because my origin story of being a Christian, I was born into it. I was raised into it, as I said. So, like, it, it has given me some of the same things that you got, Mike. Confidence and the character building and the idea that I can actually go out there and tell a story. And 
it's actually what has drawn me out to what I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, I went to film school partially because I wanted to tell better stories. Because I wanted to tell better stories in role-playing. Uh, I think mm. I've said that before. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a passion that I, I always wanted to do. I wanted to be a video game designer because I wanted to tell stories through video games. And then I just realized it'd be easier to just tell the stories through film or just tell the stories through writing them because... But I always you're, did. You're things. also far less likely to get worked to death if you work in some industry other than video games. Very true. Cool. Well, Peter. Okay, mine's going to be by far the most boring out of this. I've always been kind of geeky. When I grew up, um, the only toy I ever really cared about on any well, two, I guess, Legos and Transformers. If you're gonna pick two, you chose wisely. Yeah. Yeah. Those those were my favorite two. In high school, some of my friends started playing Magic the Gathering and got me into that. So I got in kind of through the side door of collectible card games, and they would talk about going and playing D&D, but a lot like Brandon, my family was kind of under the impression that it wasn't so good. They they weren't quite as zealous. I wasn't... Mm, scared would probably be too strong of a word, but I was kind of wary of it. However, that wasn't the first gaming book I saw. The town that I spent my later childhood up through early adulthood in is a town called Woodstock here in Illinois. And it's got a famous opera house and stuff, but there's this town square that's like an old-fashioned town square. It's paved with bricks, and it's got some little side streets. Well, at the time, there was this used bookstore down one of the side streets right next to the movie theater. So I would occasionally go in there and browse around for stuff. Uh, science fiction and fantasy were totally fine. My dad has always been into that, and... So I'd go in there and look around, and one day in the sci-fi and fantasy section, I found a copy of the GURPS 3rd Edition core book. I was interested, and I picked it up and took it home and started reading it, and I was like, well, this is this is role-playing, but it's not D&D. You know, it can handle a whole bunch of different settings and stuff, and GURPS kind of became my native system, the first one that I ever had any interest in, the first one I ever played in, the first one I actually did any published writing for. I've got a couple of entries in GURPS books that were open community calls and stuff like that, so that's kind of cool. I got pretty involved with the GURPS community online. Uh, Back when Pyramid Magazine was a set of forums, I was on those, and so that was kind of how I got into gaming. As far as Christianity, very much like Brandon, uh, I was raised kind of non-denominational evangelical, went through a little bit of a crisis of faith in my early to mid-twenties, and then uh, my wife and I kind of went through that together, actually, and then we converted to United Methodism, and that has been a better fit for us. Mm -hmm. It was one of these things where it's like, I like a lot of the kind of central tenets of my faith, but there's a lot of baggage that comes with mainstream American Christianity that I didn't really like very much. As it turns out, there were huge swaths of Christianity that didn't believe some of the stuff that I thought was required, so that was interesting to discover and participate in. Mm. But that's really about it for me. Um, I was just kind of like any other hobby. You know, you hear about it, you get interested in it, you look it up and decide, why, yes, I actually do like this thing. Well, I mean, obviously we're, we're talking about these in the religious context, in college, there was a, a woman who listened to my story, and my story involves a tragic death of a friend of mine, and it's the kind of stuff that is you know, the kind of thing that you share in big groups and the stuff of legends. And so she, right. she, listen, she listened to my story, and she's like, wow, wow, that's, that's deep. I wish I had something like that to say. And so I hounded her because she refused to tell her story. And I go, no, no, this is a barter system. I told you mine. Mm-hmm. Now you have to tell me yours. And so eventually she caved and she goes, well, I, I kind of grew up in a Christian house and, and I think I was maybe like four when I trusted Christ. And it just happened where my dad came in and, and we prayed and, and I've been a Christian ever since. And she thought that was the dullest story ever. And I looked at her and I go, do you realize that I didn't meet God until 17? That gives you 13 more years 
of knowing the savior of the world than I had. <laughs> 13 years of learning how to be really good at sinning and turning away from God. Here, have some perspective. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, I looked at her and I said, I said, this is the definition of a grass is always greener because I would have killed to have known God as a kid. I probably would have saved myself a lot of quite literal heartache and depression had I known that. Well, and so I converted at a very early age, too. I think I was about six, but I wasn't any better at being a good person because of it. Um, well, none of us are. That was, you know, hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that happens with a lot of people who are raised in the church because it's kind of inherent to part of who you are. It's the identity you have from, you know, the, your first memories in you know, some I'll ways. I'll tell you what it did make me really good at. Mm -hmm. Feeling guilty about things. I got mm. really good at that. Yeah, and this actually kind of gets to to my gaming and Christian origins as well. I guess Peter, if you are you done? Yeah, perfect segue. Go. <laughs> All right. Like Peter and Brandon, I was born. I, I guess you would say I was born a Christian. Um, baptized as an infant. I'm Presbyterian. Grew up going to church. You know, going to Sunday school, all that sort of stuff. I would almost say though that I wasn't really a Christian until high school because I really didn't like church very much as a kid. Church was extremely isolating for me. My parents, when they moved to Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina, had one friend that they knew in the town and or that they'd met eventually a job that my dad had. And um, he invited them to come to their church and we're still very good friends with that couple. Uh, he passed away. Some time ago, but we still go eat Thanksgiving dinner with them, right? Great fr uh, friends of ours. But that's the church I was born into. And it was like 30, 35 minutes away. And when you're a little kid, 30, 35 minutes in the car is a long time. So, you know, it was get up, go to church, drive 30 minutes, drive 30 minutes back. And when I started going to, to youth group and that sort of thing, it's, oh, hey, here are all of these kids whom I simply don't know. I was the only person from my high school at that church, not in the, the youth group, at that church, period. Middle school, there was one other person because it was long distance and you tend to go to churches that are close by. It's not hard in South Carolina. There's a church on every block practically. So church in many ways was much more isolating than high school was. Middle school, everybody's miserable in middle school. All right. Yeah, I'm not sure you're allowed to be happy in middle school. I think it breaks some cosmic law. Yeah, there's an ordinance on the books that says if you're in middle school, you must be miserable and everybody must make you feel miserable, no matter your actual social position in the chimp pack-like politics that is middle school. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's just that you're, all you can do is determine your flavor of misery, but you will have some. You will be miserable. Exactly. But by the time I got into high school, I was actually kind of happy with myself as a geek because I went to an international baccalaureate high school and the kids around me, it was a small group within another school, but those kids that I was in classes with, they were all geeks. We were all nerds of various different flavors. And some people were, they weren't like, you know, board gamey tabletop gaming nerds, but everybody sort of had that same thread of, intellect and hobbies and hey isn't the world cool there's all this sort of stuff that we wanted to explore and you know we're all kind of connected by that and it was really nice we kind of always position ourselves on this podcast as oh we're all introverts brandon because he's naturally outgoing on the mics we sort of say oh look brandon's our resident extrovert but in many ways i'm very extroverted i love going to things and meeting people. I like glad handing. I have to recover from it and recharge a couple days later, but I really enjoy that. And so high school really worked well for me there. I didn't get into gaming per se, but I had a lot of other nerdy interests. I'd actually gotten into Magic the Gathering through Boy Scouts of all things. Go figure. Um, there was a big group of people. Like There were people who had complete alpha collections in my Boy Scout troop. And That's they've fantastic. now all retired. Practically, yes. I, I say complete. I think the guy who had the biggest collection was missing, like, one mox. But he still has, like, 
tens of thousands of dollars of magic cards. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> four moxes, the Black Lotus, and Ancestral Recall, and you're, you've got the down payment on a house. Practically, <laughs> yes. At least a car, no question. Um, like yeah. A nice car, new. Anyway, so what's funny is, unlike a lot of people, church was very isolating for me, and high school was where I got a lot of my social interaction. 10th or 11th grade thereabouts, I think I, is when I really accepted Christ. And it was a very intellectual thing for me. It wasn't this big emotional thing. I, I think I sat down with a copy of the screw tape letters and read it. And then I picked up mere Christianity and read it. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Not sure how that happened, but that that's how it, it worked for me. So then we fast forward to college and that's where I kind of went through a lot of the same stuff that you went through, Mike, where it was, I was depressed and miserable and Brandon, I think, you know, the same sort of thing. I, I was depressed to the point where I remember walking back across the campus one night and deciding that you know, I, I was failing all my classes at this point because I was I wasn't going to class because I was too depressed to get out of the dorm room. Like I don't think I left my dorm room for four or five days deciding that, you know, what would be really good I bet I could save my parents a bunch of money if I just went and offed myself right now. They've got to get out of some of these student loan debts that way. That was the kind of logic that was going on in my head. Oof. And I think had I managed to get a gaming group in college, I think that would have helped me enormously because I started to get into one and it was older kids. I say kids in college, that's that's not really even the right term. You know, it was sophomores, juniors, seniors, a couple of freshmen. It was the University of South Carolina's gaming society. And I think if I had hung around with them and had that social interaction and hung around people who were on that successful road and kind of knew how college worked, I'd have done a lot better. I didn't. Ended up being completely isolated. Every time in my college career, because I've tried to go back to college a couple of times, every time I've had a gaming group, in college, I've been successful. I've stuck with it. I've gotten good grades. I've gone to classes. I haven't had those depressive episodes. Every time I haven't had a gaming group, that's all gone away. Now, of course, the other funny thing about my life is that Dungeons and Dragons got me married. Despite popular disbelief. Despite popular <laughs> belief, yes. <laughs> D&D actually is responsible for my marriage. Um, when I was at Furman, a coworker of mine at the student help desk said, hey, my roommate is looking for somebody to play a D&D game with. And I'd played, you know, some D&D by that time. I was like, well, OK, I'll give that a try. Went over there, met him. He's a great guy. Uh, still good friends with him. He's running our birthright campaign that's been going on for eight years now. Uh, he was the best man at my wedding. Great dude. So I'm over there with him and my wife and her friend who ended up marrying this guy that I was gaming with, ironically enough, stopped by to show off their Halloween loot because they'd gone trick-or-treating at the dorms. And uh, that's a funny story in its own right, because apparently when you go to a girl's room, they've got Halloween candy. When you go to a guy's room and say trick-or-treat, apparently it's, oh man, I didn't think of that. And you get like cans of soup because it's, let me just see what I've got. <laughs> she had like an entire grocery bag full of cans of chicken noodle soup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly certain that it probably only worked for girls. Probably. <laughs> it's Here's dangerous to trick or treat at my dorm room. Here, take this. Exactly. <laughs> it's the best I got. Oh. So they'd stopped by to show off all, you know, what they'd gotten at Halloween. And apparently she called him the next day and said, So who was the cute guy you had there? And then she chased me for a couple of months. I finally caught on. We started dating, and now we're married. And happily married for over five years now. So, hooray. And the rest is, as they say, history. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> the other funny thing about it is that gaming actually helped restore my faith. Because I think everybody goes through a period in their 20s when they sort of lose their faith for a little way, a while. And that happened to me. And it wasn't until I got into a different game with the same group of friends that I met through my wife uh, and through this guy, it's all kind of the same group of people. We got, I got into a, a mage game. It was sort of like I was thinking about faith because my wife has always been a pretty devout Baptist until she became Presbyterian just this year. And she was sort of reigniting that spark in me a little bit, just thinking about my relationship with God. And it's like, all right, you know, it's something I should focus on. So when I joined this mage game, I made a specifically Christian character 
uh, celestial chorister. And just the act of thinking about that and doing research and looking at the Bible again uh, for you know scripture references, just having that become a part of my weekly gaming habit was a big help for me because it brought it back into the present. You know, it, it said, hey, you really are a Christian. You remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Let me go dust off that part of my brain and that part of my heart and see what's left there. So, yeah, that's kind of how faith and gaming have always sort of been related for me. Wow. This has been interesting. Yeah, yeah, it has been. A little more open than I, I – kind of a little more – what's the word? Deep? Yeah, yeah, deep and maybe more honest than I expected, but that works. Mike, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us. Oh, no problem. It was really good to come on. Good. I'm, I'm glad. I'm looking forward to uh, doing more with Inroads in the future here. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I, we'd love to have it. Like I said, we only just got started. We're looking to constantly be adding more stuff to it. We do kind of have a process by which, you know, we don't just let anybody post anything because <laughs> we do – we do want to make sure that that what we do, we're doing to the glory of God. Sure. So we make sure that we don't just throw anything up there. Yeah, that's curated. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Right. But we are always taking pitch ideas. Mm-hmm. We're always taking, you know, what people want to write, make videos, do podcasts. We'll always take those ideas. Yeah. At the at the very least, what you'll get is a pseudo form letter because we don't have the time to actually make a form letter. So it's a pseudo form letter of thank you for submitting. We'll we'll take a look at this later. Right. Yeah, I've got a couple article ideas bouncing around in my head, but writing is a nice. slow and painful process for me. So yes, it is. You may get those next year. Writing is a <laughs> slow and painful process, which is why I tend to find every distraction I can not to do it, even though Peter will murder me if I don't do it. <laughs> uh, the, the most the most recent article I just put up on the site was the other day, and it was uh, Chesterton's Dragon, mm-hmm. and. I can't tell you how long I was working on that article before it, before it saw the site. And even then, afterwards, I was reading it and I go, I could word that better. And so I went in and edited it. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> one of the privileges of having admin access, really. <clears throat> yeah, I yes, do that with my is. blog. I do that with forum posts. I do that with Facebook messages. I just I, like. I've done it with the podcast, honestly, because I do the editing. I'm like, yeah, I didn't say that correctly at all. Uh, I sounded re-record. silly right here. <laughs> and I, I try not to do that, but there have been times where I've just flat out said the wrong word, and I'm like, let me see if I can fix that. <laughs> hey, it's it's still bothering me that I said parallelism instead of parallel on the episode where we had Shannon Dixon on, and that was how long ago? Oh, goodness, <laughs> I don't even remember. 2012? Yeah. So, Mike, you've talked a lot about En-ROADS. Do you want to take one minute and plug Game Store Profits real quick? Okay, uh, Game Store Profits is the podcast that started it all. We talk a lot about, well, well, mostly it's about games, the kind of stuff that we find ourselves playing on a week-to-week basis. It's mostly board games these days, just mostly because that's what we end up playing. But we talk a little bit about everything. We've talked video games, role-playing games, board games. Yeah, we did like whole episodes on Skyrim, a whole episode on Doctor Who. Yeah. We've done, you name it. If something's big, we probably touched on it. Oh, good. But mostly we talk about games. And it's it's a lot more, I don't want to say that, that this isn't conversational, but I was confiding in you guys earlier. And I'll share it on the air here in case anybody's going to, you know, do a little cross thing where our audience is listening. Luke and I don't plan anything. <laughs> <laughs> We get on Skype and start talking, and occasionally we record it. So, <laughs> whereas we we are the obsessive planning people, I mean, right. how much outline did we have for this relatively off the cuff thing? It's about three quarters of a page. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> this is one of our least scheduled episodes because we we had something planned, and then we're like, oh wait, can we really talk about this? Yeah, no, yeah we had to throw that out can't. and just come up with an episode. On the fly, pretty so, much. So, Mike, Mike, you have corrupted us. You have. I, I have that effect on people. <laughs> I, I just, I don't feel comfortable without my five-page outline. Yeah. No, it's it's actually probably good for us, because right? I can hear the outline bullet points when I listen to the episode. So can I, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Although when we when we say this is the next thing in the outline directly, that's probably a little yeah, cringeworthy. We stop that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh well. But hey, yeah, so hey, that, we that, make no bones about the fact that we care about and plan out these things. I make no apologies. That's fair. There you go. But Seize yeah, that so, boldly, Brandon. <laughs> I make no apologies that we care about our podcasts. Yeah, so that that that's what we do, and it it started off in real humble beginnings. A couple couple geeks got on the internet way too late in the evening, and now we kind of have listeners all over the world, and it's terrifying to realize that. <laughs> yeah, I had that moment too when I was like, "Wait, you're from where?" And you listen? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> oh, the, the the crowning achievement for Game Store was when I, I went to to Gen Con with some just promo stuff that I had knocked together, and I handed one to a guy, and I go, "Yeah, I do a podcast called Game Store Profits," and he goes, "Oh, I've heard of you." I'm yeah. Like, huh, <laughs> really? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> See, the problem with me is I went to my friends, I'm like, hey, me guys, I'm doing a podcast about gaming and Christianity. It's like, oh, that's great. Well, we don't really do gaming, and we're not Christians, so we're not going to listen. I'm like, <laughs> thanks, guys. You're yeah. really su- supportive of me. <laughs> <laughs> How am I friends with you again? <laughs> I got out of my dorm room one day because uh, a friend of mine was over and he's like, look, I'm tired of sitting in your dorm room. We're going to go do something. And, and we walked past and they had an old school NES up there playing games on a TV monitor they brought in. And that's when I found the Den people and yep. I ha- hung out with them. Okay, we're just going to get wacky if we keep going, so we should wrap this up. We should up. wrap this up. Well, Mike, thanks again for joining us. Um, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, I do want to encourage you again, check out the Saving the Game community, and check out Inroads Ministries. Uh, have you said the URL yet? I haven't yet, but you've inadvertently said it a bunch of times, because it's basically inroadsministries.com. Right. Uh, the only thing that really needs to be noted is the fact that it's in, as in tavern, I-N-N. Yep. Roads Ministries. That's right. And Enroads has a, a Facebook page and a Facebook group that's sort of like our Saving the Game Google Plus community. It's called The Tavern. Uh, and as you guys yes. pointed out on your last episode, somehow The Tavern was an available Facebook group name. It was. I think it's partly because the group is still technically, the URL is technically Game Store Profit ah, still. Okay. So I. But I don't care. It's it's the tavern. Hey, that works. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. And from all of us here at Saving the Game and Game Store Profits and Inroads Ministries, have a good night. Good night, everybody. See ya. Bye. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, non-derivative license, so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through InroadsMinistries.com, RPGPodcasts.com, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at SavingTheGamePodcast.org. God bless, and happy gaming.